now, bro. Good morning, church family. Good morning. Good to be with y'all this morning. If you're an LSU fan, then we need to get in the Word of God today, all right? We need the, we need the encouragement of the Lord. Uh, turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad to be here this morning. We are continuing our sermon series uh, called One. And this morning, I want to teach you how to be one of a kind. Uh, you were created by God with a purpose. I'm going to talk some about that this morning. And in Ephesians chapter 4, God shares with us how to fulfill the purpose that he has designed us to live out. I've got this on screen for you today. It's Ephesians 4. I'm going to be reading in uh, verse 11. Follow along with me if you would. The Bible says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to remind you, you can write this down, meditate on it this week, think through it later on today, that you were designed, you were created with a purpose. Ran across a couple of pictures uh, six months to a year ago on things that we commonly use or would be familiar with that maybe we don't know the purpose of. Uh, One of these is the hole in the handle of a pot. You think you can hang it up by that hole? You can, but it's also used to keep your wooden spoon from getting nasty stuff that you're stirring all over your countertops. That's that's one purpose for that. Uh, Some of you in your vehicle might have a picture of an arrow next to your uh, gas symbol on your speedometer. That thing is designed to tell you what side of the vehicle your gas tank is on. And so if you don't know the purpose behind that, it can be confusing. When you know your purpose in life, you can live your best life. And when you know your purpose in life, everything else in life makes sense. And I read it to you in Ephesians 4.13. The Bible tells us That our purpose, and this will revolutionize your life, church family, if you learn to live by this. Our purpose is to be a mature child of God and become like Christ. In 4.13, attain to the fullness of Christ literally means to become completely like Christ. That's your purpose. And we achieve that purpose through this process of maturity. And I know a little bit about maturity because in my home right now are a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And we just had a long family meeting about this yesterday. We're driving to my car and I was like, guys, look, you are reaching an age where you're becoming part of the team now. And we need your, mom and I need your help. The older you get, the busier we get in life. The busier we get, the more we need your help. We need you to be responsible. We need you to be independent. We need you to be mature. And there was nothing on planet Earth that I have ever seen in my life that was as precious or as beautiful as my children. I wasn't prepared for what it would feel like to meet my kids for the very first time. If you have children, you know a little bit about that feeling. To see your own child is one of the most majestic experiences you'll ever have. 
And one of the most horrifying experiences that you'll ever have in life is meeting an adult who still acts like a child. That's one of the most terrifying things you'll ever see is an adult who acts like they're still a child. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. That's the very next verse. He says, all right, church, look. Jesus has given us each of these kinds of individuals, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip you to be unified in faith and to become mature, becoming like Christ as you mature. That is your purpose. And if you fulfill your purpose, you will no longer be a child. God doesn't intend you to be a spiritual adolescent for the rest of your life. He wants you to stop acting like children and become an adult. Not tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. He wants you to grow up and be mature. A couple of thoughts about this. Maturity. The first is maturity is not automatic. Maturity is not automatic. You can grow old... Without ever growing up. Maturity is not automatic. If that's true, then that means maturity is a process. Maturity is a process. There is no quick fix for immaturity. There's no quick fix for immaturity. You have to put in the daily, consistent effort of becoming mature, and you can achieve maturity. Uh, That means maturity takes time. Think of the things that are valuable in life. I thought, man, what utility we can get from an oak tree. But an oak tree takes years and years and years to develop. And I want to be an oak tree in my life. I don't want to be a spiritual mushroom. Mushrooms can grow overnight, and they're really easy to destroy, and they're not anchored deep and stable. But an oak tree, it takes years for an oak tree to fully develop And there's some oak trees in our community that have been around for hundreds of years. And the rains come and the winds blow and different seasons of life pass. And these trees are rooted so deeply and they're so stable that they're secure through all of those changes. The other thing I'm I'm learning as a dad of, of children is that maturity takes discipline. I told them during our family's team, which is our family, there's going to be a consequence for that. Because it's my job to teach you how to grow and develop and become mature. That's what God has given you to me to do. And that's not a fun process. It's not an easy process, but it's critical if we want to develop spiritual maturity. So in in Ephesians 4 and 5, this is where I wanted to get this morning, Paul gives us some ways of figuring out whether or not we're mature. And if we find out that we're not really mature... He's going to give us some things we can do right here from the text to become mature sons and daughters of God and become completely like the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the question uh, or statement I want to make. You might be a child if any of the following things are true about you. You might be a child if any of the following things are true about you. The first is you might be a child... If you live a lie, you might be a child if you live a lie. Paul says this in Ephesians 4.25, a few verses after those that I read this morning. Each of you must 
And I underlined this and highlighted it in my Bible. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. There's two things Paul is telling us here. The first is live the way you live in front of one person as you do in front of other people, as you do when no one is looking. When he says put off falsehood, what that means is stop pretending to be something you're not. Stop living two different lives, one in public, one in private, one around a certain group of people, uh, one around a di- and one way around a different group of people. Put that kind of living off. And instead, live in truth and speak the truth. My, I, I got the opportunity last year to coach my youngest son's t-ball team. And we had one of the most, and I've thought about how to describe this uh, young man to you. And I'm going to say adventurous, spirited young men I have ever met. And when I was standing as a coach, I would have to stand right, right next to the guy. And if I was standing next to him, he was focused and locked in. But the second I turned my back, for some reason, he would spin around as fast as he could to try to make himself dizzy and would run all over the outfield. So I could not turn my back or this kid would totally change his behavior. You expect that from a child. That wasn't unusual. I love kids. I deal with kids all the time. That didn't frustrate me. But what is really hard to deal with in life are those kinds of individuals who are adults and do the same kinds of things. If you're watching them and you're looking at them, they're behaving one way. But the minute your back turns, they're behaving a different way. And if we're not careful in our own lives, we can manifest those same kinds of behaviors. Man, we show up with one attitude and one frame of mind on Sunday morning. And the other six days a week, we show up with a completely different frame of mind and a completely different attitude. We have to learn as adults how to put off falsehood and speak truthfully not living two different lives. Here's the other thing Paul says a couple verses later, Ephesians 4.26. You might be a child if you still throw fits. You might be a child if you still throw fits. Now, to be fair, I feel like there should be a clause in there. Unless you're a, a Louisiana fan and we lose to Bama, I think there's some, I think there's some uh, leeway there, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? You might be a child if you still throw fits. Ephesians 4.26, the Bible says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. What Paul is saying here is don't live a life of anger. He's actually drawing from Psalm 4.4, which says, In your anger, don't sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Uh, living with a 10, 8, and 6-year-old, I'm, I'm also expecting sometimes when my kiddos don't get their way to throw a fit. Sometimes we're in a store and they want something and we say no or they're expecting to be able to go somewhere and we don't. Or um, there's a disagreement on how to do our plans for the day. And, and my kids who don't get to do the plans they want to do, they might throw a little bit of a fit. This is tragic, though, when an adult throws a fit. Uh, you, there, there was a uh, Democratic govern, uh, c- candidate for governor in uh, Delaware. And her name was Lee Whittington. 
And you can look this up. This just happened last week. Some of you may have seen this. It made its way around the news outlets uh, last week. This particular individual was not invited to the Democratic gubernatorial candidate debate. And she shows up anyway, puts her own name tag down on the table, brings her own chair in, sits down and grabs the table and holds on saying, I am a declared gubernatorial candidate for the state of Delaware. I have every right to be here. I turned my paperwork in a year ago. So some police have to come into the debate. They grab this woman. They pull her hands off the table, literally pry her hands off of the table. She acts composed. She picks up her notebook. And the second they take her ha- their hands off her, she throws herself down on the ground and will not move. They end up having to drag her out of the debate setting to get her out of there. This is a grown woman. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to judge her. I don't know what she's got going on in her personal life. But this is a really good example of what I'm talking about. And here's the other thing that I think is really important. Usually the people we're throwing fits with are the people who care the most about us. My kids aren't going to pitch a fit to a total stranger because the stranger's not invested in them. But they will pitch a fit to me because they know how much I love and care about them. And that's what's tragic when an adult pitches a fit because they don't get their way. It's usually the people they care most about or should care most about or the people that care most about them that they pitch the fit to. That's how it works in politics. And unfortunately, friends, that's how it works in churches. If we're not careful and we don't get our way in church, man, we'll pitch a fit to the people that we're supposed to love the most. Why does a child throw a fit? Because he doesn't get his way. And adults who behave that way become critical of others and of those closest to them, unfortunately, in their own family. That's the difference between being a part of the problem and part of the solution. And if we're mature adults, we should, we should move to becoming part of the solution and not throw a fit creating more of a problem. If we keep reading in Ephesians chapter 4, the 29th verse, the Bible says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You might be an adult child if you have a potty mouth. My kids are hearing different words. They're exposed to other kinds of environments. And every now and then, one will come up to me and say, Hey, Dad, what does this word mean? And I try to be patient with them and tell them, All right, here's what this word means. None of those words I'm going to say to you today. And explain to them why using that particular word is wrong. So that's very basic. My kids are also learning that the words they say, how they talk about others, can either hurt them or can promote healing in them. As adults, it's easy to just let our mouths run wild and not pay attention to how the words that we speak are influencing those around us. Let me give you two pointers from Ephesians 4.29 that God tells us are critical for those of us who are mature in Christ Jesus. The first is, do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouth. Not some or a little bit. The Bible says don't let 
any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? What type of words does a mature person speak? They speak only what is helpful for building others up. That's all they speak about. And they're constantly looking for ways that they can communicate that benefit those who listen. Complaining, criticizing, and gossip are really clear signs that an adult Christian is still very immature. Ways we excuse that kind of immaturity are by saying, I want to pray for this person and here are my prayer requests. Or, boy, I sure would like to see the Lord do this, this, and this with this group of people or that group of people. There's simply no place for any talk in the kingdom of God for those who are mature that tears others down, that doesn't build them up, and that is unwholesome in its origin. So what's a really good way to grow up in Christ? Well, I think the best thing you can do really is follow a good example. If you want to become a great football coach, you just do what Nick Saban does, right? If you want to become a a great basketball player or a great baseball player, you find somebody who you can emulate and you do what they do. You live your life the way that they live. Ephesians 5.1 says verbatim, follow God's example as dearly loved children. Some of us had earthly fathers who, who didn't set a good example for us. But we have a heavenly father whose example is perfect. And it's his example we should follow. And I promise you this, this will transform your life. If you will follow the example of God, you will become mature and completely like Jesus Christ if you put in the effort empowered by the Spirit. So a couple of things that spiritually mature Christians can start doing to become more mature. The first thing the Bible tells us is back in Ephesians 4.23, you have to let the Spirit change your way of thinking. We have to let the Spirit change our way of thinking. If you want to become mature or more mature than you are, allow the Holy Spirit of the living God to transform your thoughts. Apparently, the church in Ephesus dealt with a lot of spiritual immaturity. And they needed an example that they could follow who would help them grow up, becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're looking at your life going, you know what, sometimes I'm living two different lives. Sometimes I feel like I'm living a lie. Sometimes I'm throwing fits if I don't get my way. I am living a life of anger and the only satisfaction of my anger is when things go my way and I realize I've got some immaturity. Maybe unwholesome talk regularly comes out of my mouth. Maybe I'm talking bad about my friends. Maybe I'm talking bad about my family. My church family might be a a group that I'm talking badly about. You have to follow God's example, and the way that starts is by allowing God's Spirit to transform your thinking. You are the sum total of your thoughts. Because thoughts turn into attitudes. Attitudes turn into actions. Actions turn into habit. Habit turns into character. And my character is who I am. And the reason some of us have difficulty truly being mature Christians is because we haven't allowed the Spirit of the living God to transform the way we think. 
And the number one change that has to take place from childhood to adulthood is I transform my thinking from being me-centered to being other-centered. And when my, when my thinking transforms from being Trent-centered to other-centered, I've achieved some maturity. That's the first and most critical step to really becoming mature. Okay? Second thing that the Bible describes as critical. This is found in the very next verse of Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 2, the Bible says, Let love be your guide. I've got this on screen for you. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you don't know how to respond in life, if you don't know what to do, err on the side of showing love. That's a really good principle to live your life by. In our youth, what we tended to err on was the side of whatever was good enough for me, whatever, whatever I wanted, whatever made me feel good. As we get older, what we learn is that the best way to behave in life is based on what is good for others, regardless of the benefit to me. And if we're talking about following a good example for that, we got to look no further than our Lord Jesus Christ, who emptied himself of everything that he had and made himself nothing taking on the humble form of a servant and becoming obedient even unto death, the death he suffered on the cross of Calvary. My challenge to you is to let love rule your life. Literally walk in the way of love because that's the way the Lord Jesus Christ walked. I expect my kids to argue amongst themselves when one wants a toy that the other one has. Or one wants some privacy that his or her sibling is unwilling to give them. As adults, we've got to be totally past that. And we've got to learn to love others and seek what's in their best interests, regardless of the benefit to us. And that's a big challenge for those of us living in the culture that we live in, which is very me-centered. We've got to allow the Spirit to change our minds, and then we've got to let love be our guide. You want to know how to deal with difficult people? The secret to dealing with difficult people is to find something you love about them. And I promise if you'll find something you love about the people who are difficult in your life, they won't be difficult anymore. Or how about this? You want to know, you want to know how to easily deal with a really difficult situation? Find something you love about it. And if you'll find something you love about it, all of a sudden the situation is not difficult anymore. That's the nature of walking in love. Last thing I want to mention, this is Ephesians 5.16. God tells us to make the most of every opportunity. Make the very most of every opportunity. God says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, church family, there is no place for neutrality in the kingdom of God. You cannot be a Sunday morning only Christian and be making the most of every opportunity. But here's where we have to get to, and this is, this is maturity, and I'll, I'll disclose a little bit. My wife and I have just been battling hard lately. Because of the ages of our kids, we really are busy, really, really busy. So last weekend was kind of this boiling point where my daughter had a, a cheer competition in Shreveport. 
Kirsten left the house at 8 a.m. to drive over to Shreveport with Kyra. My 10-year-old had a football game at one location. I dropped him off at 9 a.m. and I went to another location to coach my 6-year-old in his football game. So we were literally going in five different directions. Three, but it felt like five. Can I get an amen? And we didn't all get back home until about 8 p.m. that day. And we were just discouraged, man. It was like we're rolling, 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 going. The house, to say the house was a mess would be like a dramatic understatement. You know, we were like walking around piles of Legos, clothes, shoes. You guys know the routine. And, and I, I was telling Kirsten later that week, somebody really encouraged us. And they were like, look, it's not going to get better soon, but you learn how to love it. And, and that, that one statement really kind of prepared me for this lesson. And I thought to myself, you know, as you become an adult, you realize how to, how to find satisfaction and find peace, despite the fact that it feels like every single moment there is something to do. And that's the same discipline we have to learn in our Christian lives. We've got to learn that every single moment there is something to do. As a parent, I'm just now entering that season, and I wasn't prepared for it, but I'm, but I'm, I'm learning it, uh, and, I'm, and I'm working through it. And as Christians, it's the same requirement. There is always something to do in our Christian walk. So the two things I'll say about that. The first is you need to start right now. If you're supposed to make the most of every opportunity, then that means you start right now. And the second truth is you never quit. You allow the Spirit to transform your thinking. That needs to start right now. You need to move from a me-centered to a God-centered, other-centered way of thinking. Second thing you've got to do, learn to live in love. Walk the way of love. Err on the side of love. And you've got to do it right now. And you never, ever, ever need to quit. If you'll do those things starting immediately, you will begin the process of maturity that will give you victory over living two different lives. It will give you victory over throwing fits. It will give you victory over having a a, a mouth that doesn't always speak wholesomely the way the Lord wants. That will transform your life. You'll find you're living on purpose. And not only does life make sense, but it's the best life you can live. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you so grateful for your word that teaches us, God, how to live on purpose for the purpose that we were created for. And that purpose, very clearly, is to become a son or daughter of you through the Lord Jesus Christ and to become completely like Christ by the power of your Spirit. And while that's only going to happen... At the point Christ returns and calls us home to glory, God, we live every day and we, and we commit to and we must commit to living every single day in a way that helps us grow into the image of Jesus. God, I just ask as a church you would help us become mature. And I pray in the name of Jesus, any who are struggling with maturity or any other burden, God, that this morning they would find some healing and some hope. In you. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.